When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I loved Viserys, truly. I did. I, I don't think I've ever loved a character as much as I've loved him. I think it was an honour to have been offered him the part, and it gave me a fantastic opportunity, that character. He was for me. He was meant for me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Awardist, the very first episode of our new season. Over the next few months, we will be chatting with the actors, creators, and more who are contenders this year and breaking down the state of the 2023 Emmys race. I'm Entertainment Weekly Executive Editor Jared Hall, and joining me to kick things off are EW Editor-in-Chief Patrick Gomez and Senior TV Editor Samantha Highfill. Hello to you both. How are you? Good. I don't know how you're going to top us as guests, honestly. So, uh, just... well, no, true. Yeah. Starting, I mean, starting with the best. Careful what you say. I may just have you on every <laughs> week <laughs> if that's the way it goes. Um, but yeah, so happy to have you guys here. It, it feels like it was just yesterday that Jennifer Coolidge was up on the Emmy stage getting played off, but she refused and was dancing to the music. Uh, you know, obviously we can't plan for those moments, but uh, for me, it's it's a highlight that uh, you know you kind of you kind of don't forget. Um, so. Do you guys think she'll be back up on stage this year? Certainly as a presenter, she's got to be, right? I I mean, yes. (laughs) I mean, if not the host. Oh, Patrick. Hmm. That's a really good energy out into the universe. Let's put that out there. I like that a lot. Um, We'll we'll get into it. Seriously, I think we all would be in the edge of our seats the entire time because we'd have no idea what she was going to say or do. And it would all be magic. She wouldn't be able to read the teleprompter. It would all all. be off script. (laughs) It would be so great. Not at all. And we would get these really long, rambly things that, like you said, I just, I, I can't look away from her when she's speaking because you're like, literally, what is she going to say? But anyway, we'll, we'll talk more about her as the season goes on and, uh, her category and, uh, White Lotus is, is, uh, going to be an interesting one because season two has really upended the race. We'll actually talk about that a bit here, uh, later because, uh, season two, it's not limited series anymore. It's not even being considered an anthology series. It is, Per the Television Academy, a drama series. So uh, they're competing in the big leagues. Not that the limited series category isn't the big leagues because there's great stuff there too. But um, just to give everyone a, a little taste of what we have uh, in this week's episode, uh, Game of Thrones, of course, found its replacement in, uh, well, Game of Thrones uh, with the prequel series House of the Dragon. And we'll be sharing with you my interview with King Viserys himself, Patty Considine. That's coming up in just a bit. But um, first, I I have kind of a broad question for both of you, because I'm wondering, like, let's say the Emmys were tomorrow. Do either of you think there are any clear, uh, you know, shows or or actors uh, who it's obvious they would win and would, you know, emerge from the rest of the crowded pack? Like, who has the strength to to go the distance? I mean, I think... That I just like even based on recent events, like if Abbott Elementary doesn't walk away with at least one thing, I will be shocked. Like my mm-hmm. number one guess for a headline out of the Emmys is like Abbott Elementary sweeps 
or mm-hmm. wins multiple awards. Like I, yeah. that's, that's my biggest sure thing, I think, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think, you know, you just mentioned, uh, White Lotus coming out of limited and into drama. And I think that just blows the door open because I think in another year you'd be like, well, it'll be succession there and White Lotus in limited. And now mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm like, well, uh, it could go either direction in the drama categories. Um, I think one, because of recency, two, because of final season. I think Succession will will have mm-hmm. the most wins in the drama area, but it's going to be tough competition. Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting, Sam, that you're so passionate about Abbott. To me, Abbott season one was actually stronger than Abbott season two. Um, and so I'm, I'm intrigued to see if that momentum can continue. I think it will. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting because I do feel like the, the um, wind behind it right now is kind of like unstoppable, despite, mm-hmm. like I said, I think, and not that it's bad. I just think season one had some magic that uh, they're still finding themselves now as they start to expand the world of Abbott. Yeah, I I totally agree in terms of like the actual quality of the show. I just think because like you mentioned, because of the momentum behind it right now, I almost think that's going to play into it more than mm-hmm. Like whether the show, not that it doesn't deserve it, it deserves all the awards. Um, mm-hmm. But I think momentum might be their their biggest asset right now. Speaking of momentum, though, I would add uh, Yellow Jackets um, to the list now. Yes! I think you know season one. Season one took a minute to get going in terms of getting the notoriety that I think it certainly has had in season two, and that cast is so stacked. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm really hoping to see some some attention here as well. Linsky sweep. Linsky yeah. sweep. <laughs> Honestly, can get behind that. You know, what's so interesting, you know, we, we think about shows like, uh, I mean, look like Ted Lasso in its first season, uh, Abbott Elementary, its first season, Hacks first season was amazing. You know, all these shows had a lot of pressure then on season two to not look like, oh, that was just a flash in the pan. Um, but Succession, by comparison, they, like, got hardly no attention for season one it was then season two they won uh you know outstanding drama for seasons two and three um so it's interesting how that kind of you know flipped for a show like that you know none of the actors were nominated i think they had some uh craft uh you know below the line nominations but um that's that's an interesting thing to look at shows like that because season one of succession was incredible you know obviously when you look back on it and it's like obviously it should have been nominated for all those top awards Yeah, I think a lot of people, myself included, really struggled with the pilot of Succession is not incredible. And it's also just these people are so terrible. Why Mm -hmm. would we want to watch this show? And I think it it needed a minute to kind of prove that these people can be terrible and you're still going to want to watch the show. It's Mm -hmm. hard when you don't. I don't think anyone on that show is particularly likable, but I still think it's incredible. But I think that's a hard conceit to prove and it took a little bit of time i think it also took time for them to convince us that they knew that the show knew they were terrible right yeah like i think i think you start watching it and you're like why are you writing all these awful characters and you're like oh you know they're awful you're Mm -hmm. showing us how awful they are got it Yep. And that's, yeah, that was the the thing in the beginning. It was like, oh, it's this satire of, you know, a wealthy media family or whatever. And it's like, God, this is satire. And then once you got like, there was, you know, there was a little wink and a nod. And it's like, yeah, we, like you said, Patrick, we get it. And we're playing into that a hundred percent. I mean, gosh, some of the things these people say, you're like, there's no way. And then, then you think about it, it's like, oh, 
someone somewhere does act like this and that's mm-hmm. um you know the the scary part um and and funny in ways that are not haha but um <laughs> like holy cow stuff like this exists yeah I'm just grateful that Succession has given us Brian Cox as yeah. the McDonald's spokesperson <laughs> and just having him go, yeah. like, I'm just like, that's, that's worth, that's worth all of the awkwardness at the beginning of season one. Yeah. Uh, and all of the fuck off memes and uh, gifts and um, yes, it's, he's been, he's been gold on that show for sure. Um, okay. So, so we know your picks there, Game of Thrones, uh, or sorry, rather House of the Dragon, um, you know, is, is one of those that I think people went into with a little like, oh, can they, well, first of all, can they right the wrongs of the final season of Game of Thrones? And, is anyone going to care? And they proved, I think, very quickly that it was um, a return to the fantastic roots of Game of Thrones, that these are interesting characters. And and then they did that time jump that um, really, you know, I think really uh, in a in a compelling way that a lot of other shows that do time jumps didn't do well. Uh, they just they really gave you reason to want to want to see these characters through because of that relationship of um you know of these two princesses. Um, which by the way the the original two were so fantastic, and I don't think they had an easy job establishing who these people are. Um, I know, Patrick, you and I, we saw what was it, the first two episodes, the first one at, a, at an early screening, and we were like, holy cow, they are so good. Yeah, I, my only criticism of, the, of this first season was I would have loved actually to spend more time yep. with those versions of the characters. Yep. Uh, that's not to discredit the second half of the season in any way, um, but they just were so fantastic, and I felt like there was even more story to explore there. That being said, then we get to the end of the first season and you're like, oh, now actually the the, the story really is going to kick off. So so I say that I wish I had more, but yet yeah. I also know a big complaint was that it took so long to get to the final moments of the season. Yeah, well, and they set up for that second season so well. I think it's just going to be uh, it's just going to be wild. This this kind of war that ensues. Um, it'll be a while. But I think how before many we get dragons that, but, am yeah. I going to have to watch die? Because I don't think I can uh, do it. I know, right? But at least we have a lot of dragons, so I do. I do love that. We have um, like seventeen, yeah. Jared. That's not a lot. Well, Jared. Sam, it's like it's like season two <laughs> of Yellow Jackets. They're adding Jared. extras to get rid of them. That's mm. true. I just, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I can watch people die all day, but don't make me watch dragons die. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's fair. Yeah, you know, I don't want to watch like a dog die in a show, like right. or or in John Wick. And basically, or, dragons know. are just really big, fiery dogs. Exactly. That's- it's a great point. Great point. Um, but, you know, some in addition to, uh, you know, the the actresses on that show um, who are just fantastic, Patty Considine, uh, as this king who um, such a level headed guy, uh, he leads with such heart in the midst of all of this chaos. Um, like I said, he he is our guest today. So let's let's stick with uh, that best drama category where House, uh, the House of the Dragon team is. Hoping to hear its name called when nominations are revealed on July 12th. So I'm going to give you a bit of a list here. This is a very short list. There are so many dramas, um, but uh, Succession, we mentioned The White Lotus, Sicily. Well, Succession has won twice. Uh, The White Lotus, Sicily, uh, as we said, it's not limited anymore, but the first season did. uh, There was a big sweep of that in the in the limited categories. 
Better Call Saul uh, is eligible for the back half of its final season, which includes six episodes. The Last of Us uh, was renewed very early, a big hit for HBO. Uh, The Crown, a previous winner, but this would be the first time with its um, new cast, the season five cast. Yellow Jackets, as we said, very buzzy right now. Uh, Some really incredible stuff they're doing. Uh, In addition to House of the Dragon, you know, I want to say Game of Thrones, the original series, it won best drama for four of its eight seasons so obviously we you know the pedigree is there uh there's also yellowstone they really want a nomination sam we'll we'll come back to that in a second whether you think uh it can it can happen for what we've seen so far and then the mandalorian and or the old man the boys they were a, a surprise best drama nominee a couple of years ago the problem here is that their season started uh last june so they've got a they've got a real mount a really strong and big campaign to bring that show back into voters consciousness uh the handmaid's tale a previous winner uh there's bad sisters the good fight um i, I could name a lot more but uh looking at that list and, and the people who i just mentioned um do we feel like Succession, White Lotus, Better Call Saul, Last of Us, The Crown, that those are all locks? Would we put Yellow Jackets in for a lock? I mean, I, it's, you know, it's, it's so early to say lock. Um, yeah. I think Yellow Jackets has the momentum right now mm-hmm. and the recency bias compared to something like, say, The Crown yep. uh, or, or even Better Call Saul. As, as, as much as I do think Better Call Saul will be nominated, I, I I think that there is a version of reality in which that happened so early in this cycle yep. that that it's a little bit forgotten. Uh, again, I don't think that would happen, but just I, it's within the realm of possibility. And I think that that's where Yellow Jackets has the shot is that it's going to be continuing airing, um, you know, for, for a little bit longer into the year and much closer to the end of the voting eligibility window. Yeah. Uh, so for that reason, I think it has a good shot. Yeah, it's interesting with um, with Better Call Saul because, you know, Breaking Bad did that as well, uh, where they split up that final season and they got in for both and won for the final. But unlike Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul doesn't have the benefit of being a previous winner. I think if they've won before, that maybe that would then make this final batch kind of a slam dunk. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried about that one. Also, The Crown, like you said, I I don't know. It's not their strongest season yeah i think sadly better call saul's legacy is one of being snubbed whether that's nominations or just wins Wins, and i would love to see that change but i sometimes i think the emmys uh their creature habit and i don't Mm -hmm. know that that will change and i think yeah i agree that yellow jackets isn't a lock but i think it has a very good chance i will be surprised and bummed if it is not nominated a better chance than the other yellow show, Yellowstone? <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, I love Yellowstone, but um, the first half of that season I thought was its weakest yet. There just wasn't enough Much happening. more of a setup for the, the back half to be really incredible. Right, which they haven't even filmed. So we're, we're having to wait on that one. So yeah, the back half I'm excited about, but I thought it was just... A tad bit too slow. I love a I love a wide shot of Montana as much as the next person, but it was a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you bring up an interesting point, not to derail us, but you know there are changes in the eligibility rules this yep. year, 
uh, and where they used to have what they called hanging episodes, where as long as uh, most of your episodes aired during a, a chunk of the eligibility period, you could be eligible and they would look at others for either next year or as part of this batch. It, it always like this mm-hmm. weird math. And this year, they are saying that if you have episodes of your season that air after the close of the eligibility window, that mm-hmm. you actually have to go for the following season. So that is what makes me curious here. Uh, we, we should probably get a rules expert uh, here on the podcast, Jared, to, to break this down yeah. for us, like from the Academy even. But if I read that rule, is Yellowstone even technically going to be eligible? Because Well, I think the easy solution is that Paramount Network can just give it a different season number. Mm. Um, but can it? Because but, then right. you get into contractual stuff with casts. Because right. a lot of times <laughs> your, your contracts are by season, which is honestly yeah. why a lot of these, particularly the streamers, will spread a season out an A and a B because then it's technically one season, it's all one contract versus if somebody had a three season contract, but suddenly you're saying that half of season three is now season four, they yeah. could run into a lot of issues. Uh, and we, we obviously know the streamers are facing enough, uh, enough yeah. issues with the pending possible writer strike that, uh, I, I doubt they'd want to enter into anything more like that. So that's, it's all, it's all very complicated now. And, mm-hmm. and I'm curious how that's going to play out, especially because Yellowstone, we thought we were going to be getting the second half of the season much sooner than we are now. So I don't think they were even planning for it to be an eligibility issue. Right, right. And and I also wonder, and again, this is where we have to get someone to explain. I wonder if that just means like, if your show starts in May, it can't run into June. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if splitting it is a different thing than a, a, you know, week, week after week from season premiere to season finale. Those are you know, some intricacies of, of that rule that, uh, you know, it, it might take someone from the television academy to <laughs> explain. Well, what I what I will say, oh, just to get into the nitty gritty of it, because I was spending some time earlier today reading these rules. So if your series is returning, so meaning Yellowstone comes back for season six mm-hmm. in the next year's eligibility window. So let's say they air the second half of season five in next year's eligibility window and they start season six, then they, you could consider that all when you're voting for Yellowstone for best drama. Makes sense. Okay. If, if it's a show that's ending, so let's say succession, it's its final season. It will Mm -hmm. air all in this eligibility window. Let's say it didn't, let's say it aired episodes starting after May 31st. Mm -hmm. Those would be eligible for Emmys, but only individual. So you could, you could get an individual like writing or directing Emmy for it, but you could not go up again for best series. So there's lots of technicalities here that people, it's the first year they're doing this. So there's a lot of technicalities that I think we might end up with something like Yellowstone having some issues or other series not realizing that they needed to play the the rules a little bit. Right, right. And that is definitely the case uh, with Stranger Things. They had those two episodes uh, around uh, July 4th uh, weekend 2022 that came out. The show's not eligible for best drama, uh, but they are eligible for a lot of the crafts, um, and it uh, complicates matters for the for the actors um, as well. Even Fox's Accused, like they're an anthology series. What gets interesting is that all of those actors... Um, they aren't technically guest stars, even though it's one episode, they are the lead actor of that episode. So they are in the lead or the supporting race. So that's kind of odd as well. You think they should be guest stars, but no, they're not. Um, 
So that definitely uh, complicates lots of things. Um, do you think Handmaid's Tale or the boys have any shot of getting in? <laughs> Sam's like, I'd I love say to yes. say yes to the boys, but I don't know. If you could see Sam's face, she's conflicted. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say yes. I don't think so. Yeah. But, think- would you have, but would you have thought so prior to them getting that nomination last year? That's fair. Probably not. I mean, I will say of those two, I think the boys is more likely than handmaids. Mm-hmm. Um, just purely because like one of those shows still has a buzz around it and the other does not really. Um, yeah. but I just, I mean, just hearing you list off the other content and so many of those others feel like such shoe-ins and mm-hmm. I just, I, I would give it like 50, 50. I would love to see it. But I'm not going to be super shocked if I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and look, they did not expect that nomination at all. So uh, Stranger Things could certainly happen. And look, this isn't even taking into account like Fatal Attraction has not debuted yet. Uh, Netflix is The Diplomat. Um, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. I'm sure they thought, you know, when they were, uh, you know, creating the show like, hey, we might have a shot here. It seems like that one's going to be uh, leaning much more into, um, you know, the the crafts and the technical stuff um, as they should, because the show looks stunning and, and has a lot going for it. In those regards. Yeah. Okay, so let's turn back to Patty Considine for a second um, before we uh, take a little break. Uh, well, actually, I have one more p- question to pose to you both before we take a break. But in terms of his performance, uh, is there anything in particular you guys think that he has going for him that could help push him in uh, to, a, to a lock spot for that lead drama actor race? I mean, I think you guys touched on it earlier when you talked about the time jumps in that series. And Mm -hmm. I think for him, all it did was give him opportunity after opportunity to like showcase his ability because he was in every single timeline and he was very different in some of them. And he was basically a skeleton in the last one. And I think it just allowed him as an actor to like evolve this character, play very different versions of this character. I mean, it kind of in some ways felt like a one man show and he just got to like, go through and flex his various acting muscles. And I feel like walking away from that show, I mean, there's quite a few actors that were incredible, but he certainly got the opportunities, I think, to showcase his abilities almost more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is that he was able to have these really quiet, unsaid, very Game of Thronesy. like, I'm not telling you what I'm actually thinking, and I'm saying Mm -hmm. something that might actually be the opposite of what I'm thinking. And then he also had these really showy award show clip moments of just either pure anger or mm-hmm. excitement. Like there was, there was, he got, he got to do it all in the sense of like the spectrum of what we consider awards worthy acting. So, so he's got a, he's got a huge portfolio to, to show voters. <laughs> yes. And, and I think he certainly feels the same way in terms of, you know, uh, everything he was afforded, uh, the, the opportunity to do here, which we'll hear in just a second. Uh, but before we get to that break, uh, all right, this is your chance to advocate for uh, an actor or a show. Patrick and Sam, who ought to get a nod? Well, I know there's one that Sam and I both probably agree with. Mm-hmm. Yes. In the comedy category, Sam. Oh. Who, I mean, I'm sure I agree, but now I'm blanking. <laughs> I mean, ghosts, Sam. Ghosts. Oh, oh. Ghosts. We love ghosts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would say uh, Beyond Ghosts, which I love, 
Uh, you, I mean, it comes as no surprise to either of you or uh, Sammy listening. Uh, <laughs> drum roll, group. here it comes. Uh, Get ready but, for it. But I, I, and I double checked, I double checked before we started recording <laughs> that For All Mankind season three is fully uh-huh. eligible. Yep. Um, people are sleeping on the show, although I will tell you, um, I played dodgeball and, uh, at the bar last night, uh, I got a friend to start watching it and he was, he's in the middle of season three. He only has like two episodes left and he was just like talking about it. Someone else walked by and they were like, Oh my God, are you talking about Brahma and Kana? I just started it. I do feel like there's finally this momentum here for this fantastic Apple TV plus show that everyone should be watching. So anyway, this is my, this is my putting it out in the universe. Uh, if Apple is listening, they need to get the dodgeball league to be their FYC campaign. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Yep. They can sponsor my team shirts any day. Perfect. Perfect situation. Oh, All right, Sam, who's yours? I feel like every year I take a different approach to this question. Like sometimes I go with a show that I love so, so much that I know will never in a million years get a nomination. And so this year I'm doing it differently. I'm going with a show that will absolutely get nominated, but a person that I think maybe won't get the credit that she deserves. And that's Megan Fahey for uh. White Lotus. I think Coolidge is a lock, but mm-hmm. I think what Fahey did on yeah. that season was so incredible. And anyone who watched her on the bull type knew she was a freaking star. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like she, I don't know. I thought she was the absolute breakout of that season. And I think a lot of people did. And I would just love yeah. if she had her moment. It was a very understated and sly performance. And, yeah. um, there were so many times that I caught myself, I would watch a scene and then I was like, hold on, let me, let me reabsorb that. Like I would rewatch because there were such layers to things like just with, uh, just little things that she did that gave you a piece of information that would actually come into play later and you didn't know it. Oh, she was so smart. So smart. The with way she like delivered certain lines. I mean, like partway mm-hmm. through the season, I was like, you could tell me that she kills everyone and I would believe <laughs> it. Like she was just so good about like layering in mystery and you could, yeah, you could listen to her say something and take it one way and then you could watch it again and take it a different way. And I mm-hmm. think she just put so much into that performance. She was so good. Yeah, I love it. What about you, Jared, though? What about you? Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, oh. Um, <laughs> See, you weren't prepared. We were going to turn it back I, on you. No, I wasn't. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I, um, I, I keep going back and forth. I, I might actually stick with White Lotus because I, I'm a little torn on uh, someone who uh, from that show who I, I worry about whether he would get nominated. I think if they were still in limited series, he would. But... Um, Theo James is the one who I think uh, should also be getting a, a great amount of attention for that show because he, he uh, like Patty Considine, he got so many different things to play with. Um, and um, I don't think he's anything like his character. This guy is not like a, an easy guy to like, but there, there were such layers to it. Um, the, the deception, but the... Um, the uh, cockiness that I don't know. I, there, there's a lot of great stuff in that performance. Um, I'll, I'll stick with that for now. Uh, I'll definitely have one next week. When I you will guys say the greatest back. compliment I can give Theo James is his performance was so good. I did not find him attractive. And that's saying a lot because that is a man I find very attractive, but that character was like such a jerk. I was not into yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting when 
behavior strips away everyone's physical attractiveness. Uh, and he, he absolutely did that with that. Well, um, speaking of physical attractiveness, I mean, <laughs> we kind of said it. Patty did not look great uh, in House of the Dragon, Patty Considine, once he got into those final years. But um, it's, a, it's a really interesting process he went through for that. And he outlines uh, a bit of that uh, in our conversation. So don't go anywhere. We have more coming up on The Awardist, my interview with Patty Considine. We'll be right back. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back to the Awardist, Patty Considine. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm sure someone who you have seen in so many things, and he is always consistent, always great, but I really think House of the Dragon is a uh, crowning achievement for him, uh, and not just because he plays a king in it, but he is he is truly fantastic, and uh, he... he uh, broke down some really interesting aspects of his performance from uh, mourning his wife to uh, the, the makeup process, which, um, well, I don't want to spoil anything. I'm let, I'll let him tell you about it, uh, to, uh, you know, getting to work with the, the other actors he, he got to work with. Uh, a really interesting tidbit, uh, trying to f remember who everyone was and what relation they were to each other. Like they kind of had to ha have their own cheat sheet on set. So he explains all of that. He's such a delightful guy. Uh, so let's get to it. Here's my interview with Patty Considine. Really nice seeing you healthy and with hair and your full face. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that that must have been a process. Yeah. Well, how much of it was practical? How much of those, you know, those final couple episodes when we saw you? What was practical? What was kind of CGI? With yeah, a, a huge percentage of it was practical of the look. Mm. You know, it was about four and a half hours in uh, oh. probably a tiny bit longer. I, I forget, but it was a long time in the wow. makeup chair for the episode eight look. Sure. Um, which was my final look. Um, there was a lot of that that work going on with the with the prosthetics and um, and the, the finishing touches with the CGI, like the holes mm -hmm. in the cheek and the eye, the eye yeah. socket and things like that. Um, and also a, a thinning of the face, you know, um, yeah. because we shot so much out of story order. When we were making the show, you know, I couldn't go on some crazy crash diet to make that scene. <laughs> right. And, and, so there was a little bit of that involved, but I thought I thought it was used really, really well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think when that stuff is used very subtly, like it was in in the makeup on House of the Dragon, I think it can be really, really effective. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but it was it, you know it was fun. It was you know 
Yeah. Had you, was this the most kind of makeup anything you've ever done for a role? Yeah, yeah. it was. It really was. So that's, that's, that's one certain, uh, I, well, uh, I was going to say perk. I don't know if you'll say it, but you know, obviously a, a job you want to do something you've not done before. Well, so yeah, I did, so I did a show for HBO a few years ago called The Outsider and I went through a few different looks on that, but it wasn't, it wasn't such a journey as I had on House of the Dragon, you know, from beginning to end. It was a makeup job from beginning yeah. to the final episode. Um, but I think, you know, as a kid, I'd seen those books with uh, Boris Karloff getting made up in the chair. And I yeah. was just like, wow, I, I, I'd love to do that one day. And then you get the opportunity to do it. <laughs> it's just hours, you know. Right. Of, a little uh, different than what you thought it might have yeah, been. Yeah, yeah. You're just going crazy for a while. Sure. And, uh, but I mean, the final product, uh, like you said, it's just it's so effective, uh, really, just to then really see the, the gravity of, of the he his health and the situation. And I mean, of course, we, we know what these sh these shows are about. It's about who's going to ascend to the throne. So, if, you know, we knew the inevitable, I think, uh, what was going to uh, happen um, to King Viserys. But um, nonetheless, it was uh, I mean, you know, we felt bad for him. I, so many people correct me if I'm wrong. I'm curious what people have said to you. But this was a character who and we heard a lot of others say it on the show as well. Characters that he's such a good man. Yeah. And and so in those regards, that was also painful to see like such a good king uh, yeah. have this fate. Well, I, you, I had to make him interesting. Yeah. You know, that, that was the job, really, when I read it. I mean, I, apparently I was the first person it was, you know, um, handed to. Oh. And, uh, and so I was offered the part of it. And because I, I, I really was a fan of the original show, I felt a, a, a sense of duty. I, I saw a really great character there mm -hmm. and a really great opportunity to bring something special to it. And I didn't realize that in the books as well, it was only a very small part of the history. Mm-hmm. So when we're arriving at Comic-Con, there's no woot-woos because I think people are very much like, oh, he's that king dude that just you know, <laughs> right. sits around being a good guy. Yeah. But I saw all the different um, you know, aspects to him. I saw all the different struggles and the things that he was dealing with. And in actual fact, the physical decline was very much to do with um, the fact that a lot of things in his life, I think from the moment that his wife died in the first episode, mm. when he started to become ill, yeah. After that, particularly after that, you know, I think he was somebody that wasn't looking for a cure at all. Mm -hmm. He was uh, the only one that wasn't asking to be healed in any way. Mm -hmm. And and so he began this very physical decline, which sort of represented his role as king, really, and, and the uh, effect that the grief was having on him and uh, the responsibility of being king was having on him. And um, he be became a physical manifestation of all those different struggles. So it was an interesting thing to play. Yeah, that, that's really interesting what you're saying, how the, uh, the, the, his mental state after his wife's death, the, the grief, the emotions played so much into his physical health. Yeah. Um, I think a, a lot of people don't have to live in, you know, fictional medieval times to be able to relate to something like that. Yeah. Well, I think that's why the, it got the response that it did. You know, mm -hmm. um, I got pe messages from people saying, you know, we hated Viserys in the beginning. And I'm like, I, I can't understand why you could have hated him. Oh, there was very likable guy. There was nothing to hate <laughs> yeah. about him. I, I yeah. really didn't get that, but I, I just had to sit back and over the, over the weeks and just, just, I knew what was coming. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the big reaction I had was from, from people who'd experienced somebody decline in that way. Mm -hmm. You know, whether yeah. it was a, a relative, a parent, or, or even a child. That was right. the biggest, uh, the biggest thing. Something about his journey resonated with a lot of uh, different mm -hmm. people who'd experienced similar things. Sure. You, you also said something that I want to come back to saying about how he, uh, essentially kind of d declined the help. Um, because I couldn't help while watching thinking, 
is there going to be some kind of John Snow moment here? Is there going to be a, you know, he can be healed. He's, he's not <laughs> actually, yeah, he's not actually going to die. Maybe the writers will, uh, you know, kind of throw out the window what people did know, um, you know, from, from the book and such. But w- were you secretly hoping for anything like that or you were at peace with what was going to happen? I was completely at peace with it because, um, I, I when I'd read all the scripts, I just thought there was such a fantastic arc, and I and I thought his his death was perfect. He was like one of those guys that once he'd gone, everybody realised how valuable he, he was. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of uh, mixed emotions in hindsight about yeah. him, you know. And I took exception to being called weak by um, you know Damon by Matt's character. Mm-hmm. That rankled me, you know, not just as Viserys, but as but as Paddy, you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought this guy isn't weak, you know. He's just trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, the real good guys suffer in those kind of situations. You know, they're not equipped. He, he wasn't Machiavellian enough to, uh, to sit on a throne and exploit it. You know, he mm-hmm. wanted to do the right thing by everybody, but, but couldn't. Yeah. Um, well, and that, you know, if we're speaking about things that are relatable to audiences, I mean, you know, we're all in this world kind of looking for that thing that unifies us and not, you know, after his death, uh, you know, it certainly um, divides the kingdoms quite a bit and trying to figure out who is really supposed to be on the throne. Uh, I think there's there's really something to say for that as well, that this is a guy who I, I certainly felt it when I was watching. I was like, oh, don't we need him in our lives right now? Yeah. It's well. It's just, it's like I I just said. You know, you you don't know what you've got until it's gone, mm-hmm. really. And uh, he was a good king. He mm-hmm. wanted to keep the peace. He was yeah. a peaceful king. Um, he 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 was only unpopular because he he wouldn't fulfill everybody else's demands. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He wasn't a good enough politician, let's say. You know? Right. Right. Um, and and somebody who's just got a, a good heart in that situation, they're not they're not going to survive the game. And I very much had that in my mind as well, having watched the show. Um, I kind of had that, you know, vantage point of seeing all the skullduggery that went on in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And I put that knowledge into Viserys, really, that of, of knowing that everybody around that table has a, has a motivation just to suit and fulfill their own needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, uh, Viserys always had an awareness of the game. And I think it was in episode three when he's at a, he's at a, a hunt and his, his son's, uh, name day and, you know, people keep coming up to him and he's getting drunker and drunker. And there was a real sense of it there, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, everybody was just trying to play him for their own advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, we know how much he uh, loved his wife, who very sadly passed during childbirth. How much do you think? I mean, if, well, let's let's pose it as a scale of one to ten. Did he really love Alicent, or was it just more out of the pressure of everyone saying you you need another wife? Let's try to have that male heir. I think that was definitely the case. You know, they were t- if you remember in the story, they were trying to force him to w- w- wed a an eleven year much old younger. Child. Yes, yes. You know, and he was the <laughs> which was great because he was the only one going. Are you are you kidding me? Yeah, you know, she's a child. He did have morals mm-hmm. in that world, which is what I loved about him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he he. Emma was the love of his life, mm-hmm. and when she died, he he started dying, and that was a big arc for me. Um, was that I think once he had his heart broken, I think he just wanted to, you know, I I just think he gave up on life a little bit, mm. really. Um, but 
um, what was I? What so was yeah. I so with Allison, to? do you think it was more going yes. through the motions of what was expected, or did, did you approach it with some kind of love for her or yeah, admiration? That's it. Um, well, he was grieving mm-hmm. when Allison first comes to his room, yeah. and at first she's a, she's kind of young herself, she's mm-hmm. a child herself, but and she becomes like a companion to him. She's into things that he's into, the histories, mm-hmm. and she's just a a, a a kind of somebody there who's there for companionship, uh, but. I think he's forced into marrying her. I think he, I think he loves her and he, he has like compassion for her, definitely, but he's not in love with her. Right. And it yeah. is convenient. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it was never going to work. Sure. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, it worked on certain levels, but not, not worked from, right, from that, uh, you know, loving perspective for sure. Um, okay. So, uh, Certainly lots of things I want to come back to about, you know, kind of the end of his story. But I I do want to take a pause for a second to kind of go back to the beginning, because, you know, as the original Game of Thrones series was coming to an end, there was all this thought of, well, what's the next Game of Thrones? And other networks, other streamers kind of tried it. And what's interesting is the answer ended up becoming, well, Game of Thrones is the next Game. Game of Thrones. Yeah. We just continue the story. You can't yeah. really, you know, I'm curious, I guess, what you think about, like, how you can't really replicate one specific show's success or a movie success. And, and you know, how that that series and now, of course, the bigger franchise is really kind of its own distinct animal. Yeah, I think I, I honestly think when I first read the scripts and, and I was, you know, talking to people about it. And particularly my wife, I said, this is Game of Thrones. This is in the world of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I got that from my first read of it. Mm-hmm. it. There was, I didn't get a sense that although it was set years before and, you know, you could call it a prequel, I never got the sense that it was some kind of spin-off. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I never got that about it. I thought it was this, that it was from the same world telling the, a, a big story. Mm-hmm. So that was a real plus for me. I remember like really enjoying those scripts. And thinking that this is, I actually thought it was going to be, it was going to work. I never doubted that from the mm. beginning, strangely. I think when you always, when you read something, you always get a sense of how it's going to work mm. out. And I never thought that it wasn't going to work. Mm. Um, I obviously hoped it, it would turn <laughs> out well. Sure. But I, I did. I just thought it honored the show and it wasn't paying service to it in any way. And, you know, it wasn't a, a, a show that was full of these references that, and Easter eggs that hook people in. It wasn't mm-hmm. doing that. It wasn't trying to rewrite it for a new generation or whatever particular things going on in the zeitgeist. It was just telling a classic story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it works so well. People responded as well because it's, it's great storytelling. Yeah. Um, so I, I was, I was just excited about it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You mentioned having the scripts in advance. When those scripts came to you, did you know what show you were reading? Like, w- was anything veiled in secrecy or it was all on the line? Oh, for no, you? it was on the line. Yeah. You know, to, to, to tell the truth, we'd been in lockdown and we, I hadn't watched Game of Thrones, but we started watching it in the lockdowns. And I was mm-hmm. about three seasons. You se- and a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was about three seasons in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, I was on another job in Dublin, that, um, but we were locked down in a hotel and couldn't mm. leave, et cetera. And, um, I, that's when I just got the call and my agent said, are you a Game of Thrones fan? And I went, well, what a strange thing. You know, we kind of... As timing would have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We're doing the series yeah. and, uh, you know, we're really, I think it's great. I'm really enjoying it. 
So the timing was was really good in that respect. Mm. And it was very mm. much, this is a, you know, from the world of Game of Thrones, this is mm-hmm. what it's called. It's House of the Dragon. It's the Targaryens. There was no sort of, no secrecy mm-hmm. or anything like that. It was just, you know, the scripts were sent and I read them and I liked them and I met Miguel and Ryan on a Zoom and it was a, it was a straight mm. offer and, mm. you know. Can't beat that. No, you can't, can you? Because <laughs> if I'd have auditioned, I would have never got the part. <laughs> oh, well, oh, well, well especially these you, days with Zoom auditions, right? Yeah, you never know. It's yeah. not good. You have to be in a room with somebody. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, I'm not a great reader. Mm. I, I like to be get the part, mm-hmm. and I, I have my own way of working with it. And, and, you know, I go through my own little process, as they say. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a great dude in the room, you know, mm-hmm. reading with people. Yeah. So it was a big gamble on their part, but... Mm-hmm. You know, it seems to go all right. Well, as you were kind of doing all that uh, work for yourself, you know, to to prepare to get in the room, were there any major questions you had that were really crucial to you understanding him, his motivations, his way of being? My biggest problem on that job was like, who are these people? <laughs> so Understanding the bigger picture. Well, yeah. yeah, because you'd meet, you know, nobody really knew who anybody was and who they were playing. So you were going, mm. and you, you're who? And are we related? <laughs> oh, okay, great. Complicated <laughs> family tree for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that took a while to figure out. But no, I didn't have any big questions. I was... um we did a read through and it was a bizarre read through because everybody was sort of, you know, di- socially distanced and there was mm. all these screens up and everything. Yeah. And, um, there was a camera here in your face beaming to, you know, the USA, <laughs> and, you know, you, sending you live. And, um, it was just a really odd one because people were like, you know, 20 feet away on the other side mm. of the room. So there was all this weird RP going on and projection, you know, <laughs> of voices and things like this. And it was an aw- read throughs are kind of horrible anyway. But this was a particularly awful read. <laughs> and afterwards, Miguel came up to me, and I don't think it was so much a note on my poor reading in a read-through. I think he just sort of stood and he went, we need to put more Paddy in this character. Oh. And um, Which makes sense. There's a reason they wanted yeah, you to play there's a reason they him. wanted me. Yeah. And then I was just, uh, I don't know, something about that just unlocks it all for me, and it just it gave me license to go, okay, so he's mine, right? I, I own this guy mm. now. Okay, great. And it just gave me license to really get into him and under his skin, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. he was a great character. I was able to bring so many things to him, so many elements of people in my life, you know, like my, my parents even. I was able to bring them into Viserys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get a character. It's not all the time, but sometimes you'll get a character and you can really bring some of your experience, mm-hmm. of the life experiences mm-hmm. to it. And... You kind of wear them for a little while and, uh, yeah. you know, get that stuff out of your system, hopefully. <laughs> it happens sometimes, and it happens, I think, in the, the, the better work that I've done. That sort of happens. I've had a, a very personal connection with the character. And, uh, yeah, you know. Any, uh, you mentioned some people you know you uh, kind of worked in. Any, did you take inspiration from any world leaders, you know, in the, in the history of civilization? Anyone you kind of look to? <laughs> no, yeah. no, there wasn't. But I always, I always sort of look at Anthony Hopkins. Mm. I always look at him. Can't go wrong there. No, you can't. And there was certain, you, people wouldn't be able to see it and they, they probably wouldn't think, think of it. But there were certain times where I was just, you know, and I've worked with an actor years ago who was struggling on a job, and he said, oh, I just pretended to be Al Pacino in it. <laughs> and it kind of helped him get through the job, you know? Yeah. 
And uh, I understand that. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Because because Anthony Hopkins, someone that I've really studied, mm. and there was just odd times, odd little turns, odd little things that uh, if ever I got lost, I just had this... Because smart acting is in, it's impersonation, and mm. it wasn't a Hopkins impression. Sure. But I'd sometimes have that have him in my mind when I mm-hmm. when I did something and it yeah. and it seems to help sometimes. Yeah. It's kind of that uh what what's the question what what, what would Tony do? What would Anthony what would do? Tony do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, you, yeah, you can kind of kind of lean lean into that a bit. Is there over the course of the well uh, 8 of the 10 um which maybe we've we've touched on this a bit, but uh a, a defining moment aside from we'll say let's move past Wife number one's death. A, a defining moment after that that you feel like really points to, um, like you could watch that and say, ah, I can see the heart and the core of this man. Um, there was a few, mm. it, you know, and I, and I only say that because I've had a strange journey with acting, you know, and there's times that I've wanted to quit acting mm. because I've never felt good enough as an actor. But I was always searching for something. Something kept me in the game. And, and wouldn't allow me to quit. Um, and, and I just wanted to sort of transcend, you know, sometimes you go, I just want, I want to touch the gods too. You know, I want to be as good as that guy. Mm -hmm. And there was just, whether I was good or not, I don't know, but there was just something about my final speech in, in episode eight around the table Mm -hmm. and, there was just something about that. Maybe, maybe the best bits didn't even make it into the cut. I, I don't know. But there was just something walking away from that scene. I left the building before they'd even, well, they said, that's a wrap and thanks, Paddy. Where's Paddy? You know, and I'd gone. I could mm. just hear him. I was at the door and I was just well, like, That was production wrap for you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And I just walked out the building and... Uh, walked out after being carried out on yeah, the chair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just went out and I just went, I think I did it. Mm. You know, I think mm. I think I did it. Um, I, I had to I had to shed a lot of uh, things to get there. A lot mm. of nonsense, you know, a lot of fog, mm. <laughs> and to, to, to get there. And I and I think for the first time, you know, I I'd managed to make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So in those regards, this uh, this role must mean a lot to you. Yeah, I love him. He's, he's, he, I loved Viserys, truly. Mm-hmm. I did. I, I don't think I've ever loved a character as much as I've loved him. I think it was an honour to have been offered him the part, and I, I, it gave me a fantastic opportunity, that character. He was for me. He was meant for me. And uh, no, I'll be grateful. Like that final death scene, I never watched mm. it, and I was sitting in another room, and my wife knocked on the door, and she went, you have to come and watch this. And I went, I can't, you know, I can't because I don't want to see that I, I'm, I'm shit. <laughs> I don't want to see that. You, you weren't, by the way. No, you, were, you know, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see it. And she played it to me. She played me the key bits of that episode eight, mm-hmm. the walk into the throne room. And I went, okay, okay. And there's something about that final moment that just shocked me because I, 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 I looked like my father looked when he was dying. And I don't oh. want to, you know, kill the vibe, but it, 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 I didn't, it didn't just remind me of him. I looked the image oh, wow. of my father when he died. Mm. And that Did was, you tell the makeup team that? Did, uh, did they, they know that? Uh, no. Oh, wow. Oh. No. And I, and I couldn't, 
So that was tough to watch for different reasons. It was really tough. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. So then, um, would watching the scenes, like if you watch the the final, final scene, are you able, sounds like maybe not, to separate or you're thinking about that day and shooting that and what you were experiencing? Yeah, it kind of spoils yeah. it. You know, you're thinking like, oh, what a poor choice. Oh, what, you know, mm. why did you do that? Or it's too, it's, it's the, the criticism is too mm. hard, but I, 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 I accepted episode eight. I, I just went, you know, I just thought, yeah, you can fucking do this. Mm. And I've never felt that before, ever. Well, you did it. I mean, so, you, you really, truly did. I, I'm not just saying that. It's uh, th- that entire episode, I think, is re- really profound, uh, especially yeah. those those final moments. I, I, I'm going to let's go ahead and talk about them what, that while we're here. I know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the my love was improvised. Yeah. So improvised meaning like you had thought about it and felt like I want to say something or it just organically happened right in that moment. Well, I think my, you know, you have a secret as a character all the way through and my, my, you know, it's no secret now, but my thing was I never got over the death of Emma. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he's deteriorating, it's almost like Viserys is just accepting his death. And like I said earlier, he's not the one saying to the maesters, help me, help yeah, me, my yeah. arm's falling <clears> off. <throat> he's just accepting it. Um, as a kind of punishment for putting his wife through that butchery mm. and her last moments in that world sure. were very, very brutal ones. Yes. But he thought he was doing right by the realm. Mm-hmm. A lot of people confused it, thought he'd chosen to kill her. Mm. He didn't, mm-hmm. you know, it, and he never, re, never ever recovered from it. Um, and I carried that with me all the way. And I remember speaking to Gita about it when we were talking about his death scene. And I wouldn't even tell her. I, I said he sees something just before he dies. And she was like, what's that? I said, oh, I'm not telling you. Mm. You know, I, I just felt like it was so personal. I just felt like, mm. no, I'm not, I'm not giving everybody my secrets. Mm. I got a bit You, you told her that as Paddy or as I told her Viserys? that as Paddy. Yeah, I said, okay. no, I'm not going to tell you what he sees. Mm. So I just kept it in my mind. And I just like, when he, when he, when he dies, you see his fingers reach above him. Yes. And like he's touching somebody's face and then the lights start to dim and whatever. And he closes his eyes and he says, my love. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's the, that's the image he sees that takes him mm-hmm. beyond. Yeah. Um, and that was improvised. And whether they left it in, I, I, I would have had no idea. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known. Mm-hmm. So that was another thing as well at the end of episode eight. It's like, oh, they left it. They left mm-hmm. it in. And I thought that was great of them because it really honored that character and the work I'd, I'd done in the show, really. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's not a world you can step into and start improvising. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. can't start riffing about the stepstones. Like, what a shame. I liked a holiday mm-hmm. there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. It's, right. So you have to be very choice with these things. There was mm-hmm. a couple of ad-libs I did that that stayed in, but they're, they're not kind of riffy, showboaty ad-libs. Sure. They're all mm-hmm. very much in the, yeah. in the moment of it. And they kept that in. And I think that was a great moment for mm-hmm. the show and i was grateful for that because others would have cut it out yeah i mean it's it's a beautiful note to to end uh his his arc his his life on it um (laughs) in a strange way not to get personal myself when my when my grandma was uh kind of in her final hours there were moments when she was uh saying her um 
brother's names, her brothers who had passed before her. And there was one point she mumbled something and we didn't quite know what it was. And uh, one of my family members and I figured out that she was saying, I don't know how. And it's almost like she's saying, I don't know how to get to you. And it was, uh, and so that moment kind of reminded me in a certain way of that moment when you are, you kind of give your body permission to go. To go. And I think before it, I'd also done a little bit of improvising and and he's saying, I can't. I can't. Mm. And I think what the end of that sentence is, is like, I, I, I can't go on any longer. Mm. You know, I yeah. think that's what the, 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 the end of that is really. But oh. yeah, oh. I think it's just that the moment where you let go yeah. is the one that we all have to face. Sure. Sure. Um, that's a big oh, one. Gosh. Well, it, it, you, you did a fantastic job in that. I will, uh, I will turn the, uh, turn the conversation here a little bit. This, um, the show, I, I think, Safe to say, the in terms of scale and production value, biggest you've ever oh, been yeah. on. But do you feel that on the set? Because I mean, obviously, I know there's a lot of green screen and the, obviously so much CGI, uh, you know, and visual effects. But do you feel that scale there, or is there uh, is there an attempt to um, maintain a certain kind of intimacy uh, between the characters? Well, well I think it, I, I think that's a really good uh, point because, like. I'm a believer that, you know, uh, if I'm the king, the crown tells you I'm the king, you know, and and if I'm in a castle, the surroundings tell you that I'm in that castle. Mm -hmm. Um, I I believe on a show like House of the Dragon and and like Game of Thrones, that the intimacy, the characters are paramount to it all. Because if this isn't engaging enough for you, I don't think you get the dragons. Mm-hmm. I don't think you get all that great stuff um, unless the the drama is believable. Mm-hmm. So, I, uh, despite the size of the sets, uh, yeah, the likes of which I'd never ever been on, um, I, I thought the only thing that matters is us. Mm-hmm. You, you you can't let that govern what's what's going on. Um, I did enjoy it being on sets like that. I loved the red key. Mm-hmm. And mm. I loved the throne room. I definitely, when I walked in and saw the throne, that was a massive moment for me. Mm. I felt a sense of. Uh, of kind of duty in a way to do a to do a good job there's so many great for what everyone else had yeah kind of created production designers they they set up the world but even in the original show and all our people as well yeah the the production Mm -hmm. they'd they'd set up this world they'd made it the success that it became Mm -hmm. you know and i just felt like it was the passing of the torch in some way and i feel like you've got to go in and honor that Mm-hmm. And try and hit as hard as some of those guys did with the great performances in the original series. Sure. So I felt a sense of duty that I'm here to do a good job, and I'm and mm-hmm. I and I have to. Mm-hmm. I took it quite not seriously, but I was I was very grateful for it for the yeah. opportunity and respectful of it. Sure, sure. Uh, right, right. Have a job to do. A lot of other people yeah. there doing some Absolutely. fantastic work. Want to want to match what they're. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, w- <laughs> Were you jealous that you never got to get in the saddle, the dragon saddle? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really hoped for a scene for you. I was. Mm. I was jealous early on. Um, I've got a little nephew, and he loves dragons. Uh, this was his thing. And when it broke, it's like, you, you know, your Uncle Paddy's going to be the king of the dragons. And, his, you know, his face was like, oh, great. And he starts asking questions, you know, mm-hmm. do, do you have a sword? Do you fight? No. No, I don't fight. No. <laughs> do, do you fly dragons? No. And you can see his face like going. He was, he was really keeping you grounded there. Yeah. He was like, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I just sit on my arse all day on a spiky chair, you know. But uh, I, I was envious until I 
heard what an absolute drag it is eating up on that thing for yeah. 12 hours a day. Sure. Going, <laughs> right, you know? right. So uh, I wasn't envious in the end. But yeah, that's that's one quick way to, to <laughs> certainly change your mind there for sure. Getting into a couple of the other folks who you uh, share a lot of, of time with, um, but specifically with Viserys and uh, Rhaenyra, is there a particular beat in the arc of that relationship that... Um, you look back on with I know, certain admiration or um, or even heartbreak or, you know, it, how do you look at that, that relationship with her? I, I really, really love the opening episode mm. and where I where I talk to Millie about the prophecy. I love that scene. That, that, like, that was a scene as well that that's not an easy scene. Mm. And I think sometimes in the past with acting, I would found a safe place to hide. You know, when I was delivering the thing and with this one, I just went, it's not going to work, mate. You've got to jump the fences with it. You've got to get it by the mm-hmm. scruff of the neck, you know. And it was Millie's first day. It was my first scene. It must have been four and a half pages of me, mm-hmm. of dialogue and Millie reaction. It, it, it was a tough thing for her to do on her first day shooting mm-hmm. with me, a scene like that. It was huge. And I felt for her. So we went back a few months later and did some touches to it. By this time, I'd worked with Millie, who's extremely cool mm. and talented. And um, by now, we knew each other mm. well enough to make that really work. And, and I think it turned out to be a really great scene. Mm-hmm. So I've got a lot of affection for that scene. And Millie really you know, came through with it all, really had a massive transformation on it, which was great. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. great to see her, you know. Oh, nice. gosh. I, those young women were... Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everyone all around, so, so good. Um, Alicent, also, those final scenes, I guess, kind of going back a little bit, but uh, the, you know, the, the song uh, and the lyrics and, and Aegon, what do you, maybe I'll ask you this as Patty and not uh, what, oh, what for, I thought you were going to ask me thing, to sing but, something. Then. No, no, no. I mean, if you want to, we'll, we'll <laughs> go for it. Um, but in that moment, do you think she really knew what he was saying, but Twisted it, took advantage, or does she actually think he's talking I, about their son? I think she misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah. I think she misunderstood it. I genuinely do. I, and, I, and how does anyone, Renera, anyone, how can you properly explain, no, no, this is really what yeah, he meant, how, without it looking like it's being self-serving? How do you prove it? Yeah. You're the only person in the room. So, uh, yeah. No, I, I think she definitely interpreted it as it was our son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think there's any chance we would see you in flashbacks of some kind in season two. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. It's a a strange one because in a way, I feel like, you know, episode eight had such a fantastic arc in Mm -hmm. in the show and it was a real journey. And I think going back, you know, would it be the right thing to do? I think it'd have to be a really great idea, Mm -hmm. but I, I I can't see that happening. I'm not sure, but we'll... Yeah. Who knows? It's always always needs to be the right idea. I would idea. love to put yeah. the wig on again and, you know, oh. strap the knife on and, yeah. you know, Not, not all again, of the, uh, the, the ill makeup, we'll call it. The, the deep into yes. leprosy makeup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see a nice, young, uh, healthy uh, Viserys again. Well, Patty, it has been a, a great pleasure. Thank you so much. Congrats on the success of the show. Thank and, you. Uh, and we'll see you out. Uh, on the campaign trail, I suppose. I guess you will. It'll be a new new gig for me, all that. But yeah. Well, very well deserved. (laughs) Well, thank you. Of course. Yeah, thank you. 
Well, I will say I'm very sad that we only got one season of him on that show. Though, I mean, I did press and wonder, you know, if we would see him in like flashbacks of any kind, which he seems up to. But, um, you know, for all intents and purposes. I'm done for full on Ghost King. I'd, honestly, yeah, why not? Why not? Um, but yeah, for all intents and purposes, that that was a one season arc for him. And, and he was so great in it. But I will tell you, when he was uh, talking about that makeup process, hours long, as we heard, but that he that it that it kind of stopped his heart a little bit when he realized that he looked like his own father as he was in his uh you know final moments his his own health decline that really uh, that really got me i kind of had to stop um it, i was just you know listening to to every word he said because you could tell uh, it was such an unexpected thing for him yet it also gave him so much um so uh, an odd experience for him but kind of special in in the same way i also feel like he was, was already doing so much on that show to then also kind of have to juggle that emotional like not necessarily yeah. trauma but just moment is this guy had a lot had a lot happening and when he was filming that show yeah, I'm also just very happy that I was not alone in being very confused about people's names and familial <laughs> connections. So I'm very yeah. glad that uh, that they had to do that homework as well. Yeah, can we yeah. get that cheat yeah. sheet? Actually, that would be great. That that'd be amazing to know how they. Yeah, did they have like a a, a poster up on the wall? Uh, keep keep track of everyone. Well, he is fantastic, and I I really hope we see him go the distance this uh, award season. I I think we might. Uh, so fingers crossed for him. Uh, but uh, Patrick and Sam, that that's it for now. Thanks so much for joining me on this first episode back. Absolutely. Thanks, and thanks so much to all of you for listening. As I said, that is it for this first episode of the new Awardist season. If you like what you're hearing here on the Awardist, please do follow, rate the podcast, and leave us an award-winning review on Apple Podcasts. And to keep the conversation with us going, you can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials. We're at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag me at Jared Hall. We will see you right back here next week. This episode of the Awardist podcast is hosted by Jared Hall, produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio, edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening.